From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And for this edition, it's my high privilege to be talking to Kenneth L. Fields, who's joining me by telephone from Columbia, Missouri. And um, Mr. Fields is a... uh, a, a former U.S. Marine and uh, served with Father Vincent Capadano, servant of God in Vietnam. And uh, that, of course, is our subject today. Mr. Fields, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to be with you, Taylor. And uh, so let's start from the, the very beginning. How did, you, uh, how did you come to meet Father Capadano? Actually, I had only two occasions in which to uh, visit with uh, the chaplain. Once was in the field when he was giving communion, and then again on the date of his death, September 4th, 1967. I see. Uh, And uh, before we go further, for the benefit of our listener who may not know who Father Capadano is, uh, Father Capadano was a U.S. Navy chaplain. He was a Mary Noel missionary. Uh, who served in Vietnam uh, in the uh, uh, late 60s. He was killed in action uh, in, in uh, Vietnam's Quezon Valley uh, after the uh, Vietnamese, uh, uh, North Vietnamese regulars opened fire and uh, brought a group of Marines under ambush, including, including you, Mr. Fields. Uh, and uh, Father Capadano, since then, he was posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor, and he is... Uh, uh, he is under consideration by the Congregation for the Causes of Saints for, uh, for sainthood, uh, it, it, seeing as how that he gave his life uh, for the men he served. Uh, so anyhow, back to uh, your acquaintance with uh, Father Capadano, Mr. Fields. Uh, you said you, uh, you, you, you uh, met him twice. Uh, tell us about the first meeting you had with Father Capadano. Where was it and uh, what were the circumstances? Well, he had uh, joined the 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines, as its uh, Catholic chaplain sometime late August, I'm sorry, late July or August. And uh, shortly after he joined, we were on a short sweep in the hills of the Quezon Valley. And as we were traversing across the side of the hillside, which was uh, quite overgrown with underbrush, underbrush, the um, word came back that the chaplain was giving communion in, on the trail ahead of us. Well, um, as I approached uh, his location, I was thinking, well, you know, there are no atheists in foxholes, and I, I uh, probably wouldn't hurt to, to stop and get communion from him. I was a Methodist at the time, a uh, uh, baptized Methodist, and I thought, well, I'll just give it a try, and there were about three or four Marines that had stopped by, and uh, in a very short ceremony, he gave us all communion before we continued on. I see. So uh, set the scene for me. What was that like when you were uh, coming down this trail? You heard Father Capadano was up ahead uh, giving communion. Uh, had you all had engagement with the North Vietnamese at this point? Oh, yes. I, I joined uh, my company uh, in April of 1967 and was on Union 1 and Union 2 um, to uh, 
force the 2nd NVA Division out of the Quezon Valley. And so we had had many engagements. In fact, uh, the two operations lasted for about a month and a half. And uh, I was fortunate enough not to have uh, been wounded or hurt in any of those. And I, I just wanted to ensure that uh, uh, my luck continued on. I see. Uh, and I should also mention, as we discuss Father Capadano and um, your interactions with him, Mr. Fields, uh, that uh, on September 6th, coming up on September 6th, 2022, uh, the Archdiocese for the Military Services and the uh, Father Vincent Capadano Guild, in cooperation with EWTN, will celebrate the annual Memorial Mass for Father Vincent Capadano. That's at uh, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time at the uh, Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception at 400 Michigan Avenue Northeast, Washington, D.C., 20017. That's 6.30 p.m. on September 6th, the annual Memorial Mass for Father Vincent Capadano. Now, Mr. Fields, when you encountered uh, Father Capadano on the trail there, you, see, you received communion from him. Uh, did you have a, a, a chance at that moment to, to, to talk with him other than just to receive the communion? No, actually, um, the uh, column of men that were traversing across the hillside did not stop for, for him to give communion. Um, as we approached him, we would stop, he would give us a, a quick ceremony, and then we'd just step right back in the column, continuing the march. So we didn't actually stop for the communion. Uh, we just kind of sidetracked ourselves uh, uh, into the underbrush, underbrush uh, where he, he did give the ceremony. I see. And at that point, did you have any idea who Chaplain Capadano was? Uh, well, no, um, I didn't. I, I had been to uh, other um, uh, services uh, in our base camp, uh, but I was not necessarily uh, a practicing, uh, didn't, didn't really have a practicing religion, so I was really not aware of who he was until after uh, September 4th when he was killed. I'm talking by telephone to Mr. Kenneth L. Fields, a uh, uh, former U.S. Marine uh, who served in Vietnam. Uh, and by the way, uh, Mr. Fields, the uh, former chairman of the Father Capadano Guild uh, says you were the best machine gunner that he ever served with in Vietnam. And uh, I want to take just this moment to thank you, sir, for your service in Vietnam. Uh, let's move. Well, thank you. And, and Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was going to say uh, that that was George Phillips, and he was my first machine gun team leader when I first arrived in Vietnam. Later on, uh, he moved on to uh, uh, his normal MOS, which was rockets. But uh, the, the, my first engagements, I was with George uh, on Union, on Operation Union. I see. Um, and so uh, bring us up to date now. You said that you uh, uh, encountered Father Capadano twice. Tell us about the second time. Um, well, if I, if, I, if I could, Taylor, I, I would like to uh, just uh, address a couple of items, uh, occurrences that happened before September 4th. Sure. As I had mentioned earlier, uh, we drove the uh, 2nd NVA Division out of the Quezon Valley, which was the breadbasket 
for central Vietnam, and uh, the NVA wanted to keep that valley to themselves to feed their army. Well, it was after we had defeated them in um, April and May, sometime in July, I was listening to Hanoi Radio, uh, and Hanoi Hanna, who was the comparable to like Tokyo Rose during World War II, announced that the 2nd NVA Division had reconstituted itself and was coming after the 5th Marine Regiment. And I actually heard that broadcast. Uh, it was sometime after that that Chaplain Capadano joined the 5th Marines. And then on September the, uh, 4th, 1967, uh, Hanoi Hanna's uh, uh, promises came true and the 2nd NVA Division found us. And they were super mad and wanted to destroy the 5th Marines. The NVA is North Vietnamese Army. Okay. And in the caissons, we were up against the 2nd Division of the NVA Army. On September 4th, in the early morning hours of the day, uh, Delta Company uh, of the 1st Battalion, 5th Marines, was on a sweep of the uh, their area of responsibility when they came under a rather heavy attack. Uh, Bravo Company of 1-5 was sent out to assist them, and they too came under attack. Well, <coughs> excuse me, 1-5 uh, did not have any other available companies, so the battalion commander asked the assistance of 3-5, of which I was attached to. And thus, Kilo and Mike Company were attached to the 1st Battalion Group and sent to assist Delta and Bravo. I was with Mike Company. Um... Kilo and the command group were the first to be hella listed out, and they uh, landed about 4,000 meters north of where Delta and Bravo were at, and then my company was supposed to land in the same landing zone a short time later. But because of heavy incoming fire, Mike uh, had to divert its uh, landing zone uh, away from that area because of heavy, heavy fire. Chaplain Capadano was not supposed to be in the field without the express permission of the battalion commander. And it's my belief that he did not have this permission. Yet he was, uh, de also, he, he was determined to, to be with, you know, his men on the front lines. That was his main desire was to be with his Marines and corpsmen, especially when if they went into harm's way. And I should... The way he was, and he was affectionately known as the Grunt Padre, and that's the reason why he had a particular affinity for the grunts, the guys who did the heavy lifting of war, right? Well, that's why he uh, was given that uh, that uh, title, the Grunt Padre, because he not only uh, was with us during our difficult times, he was with us uh, uh, living in the in the dirt, crossing the. Uh, Rivers, uh, you name it, he was there with, with his Marines. So, uh, okay. what, what uh, and I forgive me for interrupting you, uh, go ahead with what was, what was taking place on September 4th, 1967. Right, well, he was not supposed to be out, so, out in the field, so he devised a plan to get himself out there, and that would be to join my company on one of its last helicopters, <coughs> and then he would join the command group when it was too late for the command to send him back home. Uh, but he never was able to join the command group because we landed in two separate landing zones. Well, 
as we were mar- hastily marching towards uh, Bravo and Delta Company, Mike had about 178 men. And we were crossing a small knoll when we came under ambush and attack. Mike was spread out over about eight, uh, an 800-meter distance. And because of that, we were unable to uh, fix a defensible perimeter. And individuals and small groups of men were fighting for their lives uh, uh, in areas just immediately surrounding themselves. Now, since I was with 1st Platoon, I was not aware of what was going on with 2nd Platoon. The 1st Platoon had its own hands full. But Father Capodanno was going in amongst the men of uh, 2nd Platoon, uh, giving comfort to uh, wounded Marines, uh, last rites to uh, dead and dying Marines and corpsmen. Um, about 150 meters away from where I was. Now, if I could interject here to give you an idea of the size of the of the ambush, official Marine Corps history estimates we were up against 2,500 NVA regulars, North Vietnamese regulars. In 2004, a group of my company survivors went back to that battlefield. And if I could point this out, and it's not generally known that the knoll was marked on the maps of the day as a cemetery, and it still is. Uh, accompanying us on that battlefield tour was an NBA intelligence colonel who remembered and was at the battle for the knoll. Of course, he was on the other side. And according to him, the 2nd NBA Division had 10,000 hardened troops in the immediate area, Six thousand of them were actively assaulting the four companies, mainly Mike Company, and there was another four thousand enemy soldiers wanting to get into the fight. Wow! So, so, so you were up. There were ten thousand North Vietnamese regulars uh, ambushing a few hundred U.S. Marines. Yes, uh, there was probably somewhere fewer than eight hundred Marines uh, spread out over the four companies. But the four companies were all separated into different enclaves and thousands of meters apart. Now, not all 10,000 were actually uh, in the fight. Uh, they were in the area. But he said that there were 6,000 that were actually assaulting the four companies. Okay. So it was a, it was a rather intense battle. So this is September 4th, 1967. By this time, you have been in country in Vietnam. For, for how long at this point? I joined the company in April, so about six months. Almost six months. Five, six months. And and the, the, the operation that you were carrying out that day, September 4th, was called Operation Swift. Yes, that's correct. Okay, so Father Capadano is rushing around on a hot battlefield under enemy gunfire. Uh, giving uh, last rites and uh, uh, otherwise uh, supporting and coming to the aid of wounded and uh, dying U.S. Marines. Yes. So later yeah. that day, later oh. what what that was the day he died. So what happened? Right now, there were there were two occasions in which CS gas. Uh, was used directly upon our positions uh, to try and disperse the NBA from in between us. Uh, 
and he ran across a Marine who had lost his gas mask, and Chaplain Capadano selflessly gave his gas mask to that Marine. A short time later, and he knew that there was a machine gun pointed directly at him. He was giving last <coughs> last rites to a fallen corpsman, Corman Leal. Uh, he looked up, saw the machine gun, and bowed his head again, and the machine gun opened up, and uh, uh, he was shot in the back 27 times by that machine gun. Now, he had a previously suffered two other egregious wounds, which he had ignored. So he was really not uh, uh, in very good shape, even at the, at the time of his death. How long would you say Father Capadonna was uh, running around the battlefield before he was fatally shot? Well, because I was all the way on the other side of the knoll, I'm, I, and I haven't heard uh, any time frames but I would imagine probably uh, at least two, three, maybe even four hours. I see. Did you happen to see Father Capadano after the fatal shooting? Uh, yes, I did. Um, and and uh, this has always been with me uh, ever since that day. Uh, during a lull in the fighting at about 6 or 7 o'clock in the evening, um, the company was able to pull back into a semi-defensible perimeter, and my machine gun was pulled back to the top of the knoll. It was about 9 o'clock in the dark of the night. A group of Marines came up to my position and laid a body wrapped in a poncho. Uh, I was curious as to whom it was, so I pulled back the poncho to expose just the face and the upper left shoulder. Just as I did that, an illumination round went off above me. The illumination cast a golden glow on this person's face, appearing as if it were radiating from his skin. His head was tilted slightly to the side. And I noticed how serene he appeared with just a very slight smile on his lips. As I considered who it was, I noticed a gold glint on his left collar. I reached down and straightened the collar, and to my horror saw a cross, uh, a gold cross, and instantly, knowing that it was a chaplain, I left my position to find the company command post. Getting directions in the dark, I found a large bomb crater, and looking into the black abyss, I asked if this was the CP, and got an affirmative answer, and I yelled down to them, we have a dead chaplain up here. The response was, hell, we didn't know he was with us. Well, according to accounts, a few other Marines were aware of his being killed, but this was the first the command post had been notified. The uh, Chaplain Capadano's body laid within four feet of my fighting hole until about nine o'clock the next morning when I and uh, three other Marines carried his body to a helicopter for evacuation. I'm talking to Kenneth L. Fields, joining me by telephone from Columbia, Missouri. Um, Mr. Fields, a... Uh, a formerly U.S. Marine sergeant, uh, a machine gunner who served in Vietnam with Father Vincent Capadano. You said there was a source of illumination that fell on Father Capadano's face when you pulled back the uh, uh, poncho or whatever it was he was covered with. What was the source of that illumination? Um. Many times during the night, uh, artillery shells or mortar rounds uh, would be shot overhead 
uh, that would brighten up the area so that we could see beyond our fighting positions to see if possibly there was any enemy trying to sneak up on us. Now, these illumination rounds, some are very bright and last for quite some time. Some are not quite as bright and uh, uh, go out after only a, a, a few seconds. But there are some of the, the illumination rounds are bright white, and some of them are kind of a dim yellow. And I believe that uh, the one that shot over me that night was a dim yellow illumination round, which caused uh, the golden radiation to come off of his skin and also alerted me to seeing his uh, gold crucifix on his collar. What went through your mind when you saw it was Father Cappadano? I, I tell you the truth, I was shocked. Um, of course, I didn't know that he was with the company. And uh, you very seldom did see any chaplain out in the field, uh, as most of them didn't even go out in the field, but Chaplain Capadano was one of the few that, that wanted to be there. So uh, it, was, it was a shock seeing that crucifix. I had originally thought, seeing a gold color, that it was just an officer, because officers' uh, uh, collars had, had gold bars or silver bars on it. But not only being an officer, which he was, he was also a chaplain. All these years later, I know you've carried this memory with you uh, since uh, that day in Vietnam, September 4th, 1967. Uh, what is the, the message, the meaning of Father Cappadano's sacrifice? He gave his life for the men he served. Well, again, I had indicated to you that I'm not Catholic. However... Uh, I am a believer that those who believe in the Catholic faith uh, uh, would have a strong, strong affinity to individuals that gave their lives uh, in the service of other people. That's not only true in the Catholic faith, but also in other faiths. Um, so it's, it's the, the impact of the day itself, the, the ambush, and then on top of that, uh, finding uh, a chaplain in death uh, has has always uh, carried a, a difficult load with me. I'm surely you heard uh, uh, that uh, Father Capadano had been presented the Medal of Honor posthumously. Uh, yes. In your mind, uh, was uh, was he a worthy recipient? Oh, most definitely. Um, what he did that day is beyond what would be called of any person, uh, a soldier, a Marine, a sailor, or a chaplain is far beyond what, uh, what they needed to do for that day. Um, and that's what the uh, Medal of Honor is for, is to honor those individuals that exhibited true heroism. Um, so yes, I, I'm, I'm, I was, uh, I didn't know it until many years later, but I, I was very glad that he received the Medal of Honor. Now, there were three there were uh, three Medal of Honors given that day, and uh, I'm sorry, there were two Medals of Honor and three Navy Crosses. Uh, Chaplain Capadano was one of those Medal of Honor. They were all posthumous except for one. I see. So, for you. Uh, 
how did the war end? How much longer did you stay in Vietnam? Uh, when did you come back? Uh, uh, what's, well, your, what's your life been like since then? I was uh, one of the lucky ones uh, in that I was able to complete my full tour, and I returned back to the uh, States in, uh, let's see, that was uh, March. Interesting story, I didn't tell my folks I was coming, and I was about 10, 10 uh, days early, but when I touched down in Wichita, Kansas, my folks were at the airport there to greet me. They had no idea I was coming. They were sitting at the uh, dinner table, heard a plane fly over, and said to each other, let's go to the airport. So they put on their Sunday best, and the very first plane coming from L.A., I was on. Oh, so that, that, that was total coincidence. Yes, very much. I, I think it just goes to show the connection between uh, parents and children. I was in Vietnam for uh, 13 months. 13 months, okay. So 13 months, uh, so from April of 67 to uh, sometime uh, in early 68, uh, mid, about mid-year of 68, you came back. Right. Actually, I got there in February of 67, but I was put on uh, uh, kitchen duty for about a month before I joined the bank company. What 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 comes? What do you think about when you when Father Capadona comes to mind? Uh, well, he comes to mind quite often, especially here recently, and I'll explain why. Uh, in in uh, twenty eighteen, I believe it was, the uh, Capadano Guild commissioned a portrait to be made of uh, Chaplain Capadano, which was done by uh, Father Peter Gray, I believe. And when I saw that, uh, I thought to myself, well, I would like to do a rendering of that portrait. At the time, I was doing uh, mosaic painting, uh, which is nothing more than, than little plastic beads that you, that you paste onto a, a sheet. Uh, and I had done maybe 20 of those uh, previous, and I started doing one on Captain Capadano's portrait, uh, and a couple of days after I started, I found out my daughter had cancer, had developed breast cancer. So wh while I was um, doing the portrait, I kept asking Captain Capadano to intercede and to keep my, my daughter safe. Now, um, it's interesting that since I had done so many of these pictures in the past, why at this time, when my daughter came down with uh, with uh, breast cancer, was I doing this one on Chaplain Capadano? It just seemed to me too much of a coincidence uh, that at this time that I would be doing that portrait. Well, I completed the portrait and took it down to uh, Little Rock Diocese, Catholic Diocese, and had uh, Chaplain Taylor... Uh, bless the portrait, and then I sent it on to the guild. You mean, uh, a, a you, gift, you mean Bishop Taylor? Bishop Taylor. I'm sorry, yes, Bishop Taylor. Uh, and after I had that done, I sent it off to the guild uh, as a gift to, to them. I've been talking to Kenneth L. Fields from his home in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, Mr. Fields, a, uh, formerly of the United States Marine Corps, uh, a machine gunner in Vietnam where he served for 13 months and served with Father Vincent Capadano, servant of God. And uh, the uh, 
timing of our conversation uh, has to do with the upcoming Memorial Mass for Father Capadano. It will be celebrated this year on September 6th at 6.30 p.m. here in Washington, D.C. at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. Uh, the public is invited. Uh, Mr. Fields, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, thank you, Taylor. Catholic Military Life is a podcast of the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, erected by Pope St. John Paul II in 1985 to provide for the free exercise of Catholic faith in the U.S. military, VA medical centers, and the government's civilian workforce beyond U.S. borders. 1.8 million American Catholics worldwide depend on the Archdiocese and its endorsed chaplains for pastoral care. For more information, visit millarch.org. The Archdiocese for the Military Services USA serving those who serve.